You are listening to Season 1 of Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who think differently and want to explore ideas and topics that are relevant to all areas of their life. Hello and welcome to Episode 8. Today we're talking about assumptions, stereotypes, conformity and judgments and I have Sandy. Hi Sandy, how are you? Hi Joanne, I'm good. And we're together. Yes, face to face. It's so nice when we get to connect and do these ones together. So how's your week been? It's been really good. I went to see a documentary the other night in Toronto. I went to see The Minimalist. Uh, film documentary, kind of their, I don't know, Canadian premiere, was really good, very challenging, talking about how we can live with less and and declutter and get rid of things that are taking up a lot of space and energy in our life, so I really enjoyed it. So is there something that you're going to start doing after watching that? <laughs> I'm on a journey. <laughs> I love I'm it. Trying. I'm I trying. <laughs> That's good. That's good. How about you? What's been well, happening? Really good week. Well, and the last two days, well, day and a half, we've spent together, which has been really fun. And uh, yesterday, remember when I helped you with your LinkedIn post? Oh, right. <laughs> yes. I was so impressed. <laughs> and I was too, because as our listeners know, Sandy is the more tech savvy of us both. And when she was asking me something about LinkedIn, I was like, oh yeah, how you do this and this and this. And it was like, <gasps> A whole light bulb went off. I know. It's not very often that somebody gets to teach me something. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. I appreciate it. And it was good for me to experience that, you know, what it's like when someone knows something more than you. <laughs> this, was, this was after she's tried to get me to use, you know, three or four different new apps. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was it so was. Good. So today we're talking about our assumptions and our stereotypes and and in the context of what what the words kind of that are being bandied around that I hear a lot in, in kind of our work environment now is uh, unconscious bias. Right. You know, the bias that we're not really aware of that, that just happens. It happens outside of our control. It's kind of this automatic assessment of the situations that we're in. And it's influenced by our previous experience and our background and, um, you know, our cultural experiences and our beliefs and, you know, our our conversations that we might have. So unconscious bias, if you hear that around, that's kind of the new, I feel like it's the new wording, new lingo for the assumptions and stereotypes that, that we make. Right. And I think, you know, it's really interesting. The team that I work with at the Field Collaborative, we just had someone on our team become a certified cultural intelligence oh. practitioner. And so she did a whole assessment of our team. And it's interesting how much is influenced by culture. And uh, she's doing some work in that area. So I actually will a little note in our show notes for about that because I think there's a lot of things that are just culturally based that we don't even think about yeah you probably noticed having moved yeah around yeah um in a few different cultures yeah totally and just things like some I mean not really biases but things like people more open and a lot of people say oh I go to Australia and it was so great and you know Australians just seem very open because culturally we live 
in, in a warm environment and we have houses that are pretty much similar size to Canadian houses and stuff and we invite people over. But in England, it was a little different. Houses are smaller. There's a, a bit more socialization outside of the house. Right. So, um, so kind of our expectation, like it took us a while to find friends. We've got some wonderful friends in England now, but it did take uh, what we unexpectedly thought was a little longer because it's just kind of a little bit more standoffish, I guess, and not as open. Yeah, how we think things should happen, totally affected by how we're growing up right from very young when we give our little kids the doll. Right. You know, little gender biases there yeah. that we we start off pretty young with those messages. Totally. And, I mean, that's – so I want to talk about ladder of inference because that's where we make a lot of these assumptions uh, from. And the ladder of inference is basically if you can imagine a ladder and we observe uh, data or we ex- observe an experience and we – selectively choose what we're observing through that experience and that is based on our previous beliefs and then we adapt meaning and attach meaning to that and then we form our assumptions and our conclusions and our beliefs and our actions and we keep going around in circles. So an example, Sandy, uh, I know that being on time is pretty important to you. (laughs) We've spoken about this before. Right. Yeah. If we were to arrange to meet and I wasn't there at the meeting time and and hadn't contacted you, what would you what would you think? Well that's a great example because if it was the first time it happened, if it happened with you, I would probably think, Oh, something something must have happened yeah. for Joanne to be late because you're fairly punctual as well. You don't usually keep me waiting. Even this week when I was on my way here, you phoned me to let me know you were running behind. So even before I was supposed to be here, I knew that you were going to be a little few minutes late. I was meeting someone that I didn't know recently for a coffee, and he had asked me to get together to talk about some things. And I waited 20 minutes for him at a coffee shop, and he wasn't there, and I left. Right. Because my ladder of inference then is that he was very disrespectful of my time he was wasting my time i was there to accommodate him at his invitation and so wasn't going to wait around i felt like yeah. 20 minutes is long enough yeah and if they didn't have a conversation with you about what happened then you'd kind of leave that experience going oh they're late they're always late but you were willing to meet them again then you might even change some of your actions related to that too. Oh, well, he was 20 minutes late last time, so I know he's going to be late, so I'll turn up late. And it's this kind of reinforcing loop that we get ourselves in, that we selectively look for uh, data and information that reinforces what we already think. Yes, it's, um, it's so true. And so so we use it all the time, Sandy, and I say to people, I say to some people, I can go up and down my ladder of inference faster than anyone. (laughs) So we need to be aware of that and mindful of that because that is how our assumptions and our stereotypes basically are formed. And assumptions are not truth. Assumptions are things that we believe are true. Exactly. And we make them all the time without, like you said, without really being even aware that we're making them. And that's, that's what can be very frightening about them. Yeah. 
So I'll give you an example. This is kind of an interesting one, and it has to do with gender bias. So a lot of people now are very sensitive to that when they're raising their children. And uh, my daughter is. She's, She's trying to be aware of those things. So I called her daughter a little doll one day. She was just so cute. And I just said, oh, you're such a little doll. And we had a conversation around that, around some assumptions around using language about calling a girl a little doll that I had never, ever Mm -hmm. thought of. And now I understand how that could be a term that some people might not be comfortable with. Yeah. So I think our assumptions can feed into these stereotypes Mm -hmm. we have of people and ideas we have about how people should live and the kinds of choices that they should be making. And our podcast is for women who want to think differently or who do think differently. And we want to try and help people reframe certain situations. And right from the beginning, we've talked about that in our, our friendship about how we've encountered stereotypes and judgments and biases that our own and those that people have had about us. So Mm. how about you? Can you think of, uh, (laughs) and our episode today will be five hours. (laughs) (laughs) This is our download. (laughs) What I want to talk about today is the assumption that everyone is going to have children. So I remember years ago being in England and we're at a barbecue and there was a a dad, young dad there gushing and we hadn't seen him for uh, quite a while. And so I was talking, oh, how are the kids? And, you know, how is it? And he's like, oh, it's going great. It's going great. Have you got kids? Like, did you guys have kids? No, no, we don't have children. Oh, well, when you do, it's going to be amazing. And that, that's happened to me a number of times. Actually, interestingly enough, men have said it to me. But I asked Ashley one day, I said, has anyone said it to you? He said, oh, no, no one asked me whether I have. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, assume the stereotype that that you can ask women. That's been a big one in my life. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when we first met, that is a normal question that we ask people, you know. So, you know, you're married or you're in a relationship with someone for a certain amount of time, and there is an assumption Mm -hmm. that you will have children. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. so along with that assumption, if that's the norm, then if you're outside that norm, there's the question of why yeah. you're outside the norm. And that's what I thought when this guy said it to me. I was like, wow, what if I couldn't? Like there's a lot of a lot of my friends couldn't have, can't have children. Uh, for us, it's a choice. But could you, so ask away. I ask, oh, do you have children? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I want to hear about it. Um, but I think we might, it's about being mindful of not following up with the, or when you, the assumption that, that there are going to be children. So yeah, that's, uh, so you know what, we, I reframed that, Sandy, and it was probably not until I was 40 that I did that. I did some actual reading on it. I read a blog. Someone said, because it, it is more common for people who marry, or not even, we're even talking about marrying. I mean, you don't have to marry to have children. Exactly. Um, that think of yourself as a trailblazer. I thought, okay, so that's what I think now. That's my reframe I tell me. You know, it's not about being selfish and, you know, we choose to live a different life. So now I'm trailblazing with the women out there who have chosen not to have children. How about you? What's a story you want to share? Oh, there are so (laughs) many I could share. I I think we've talked about a few of them. One is about aging and how Mm. there are assumptions about what people should be like at a certain age and 
you know, mentioned technology and I like technology. I mean, I'm, I don't want people listening to think like I'm like this total, total nerd, but I'm unlike a lot of people my age, I'm quite comfortable trying to figure things out. You're an early adopter. To, yes. For sure. I'm and so there, I was listening to someone one time talk about clients and they said they wouldn't take on, it was a, a website uh, developer. They wouldn't take on a client over 50 because they do not have any technology background whatsoever and they just find them a pain in the ass. I was just so offended because I thought I probably know more about building a website than a 30 some 35 year olds. So it was just a, one of those things for me and I thought well that's kind of a weird thing to put out there like you're making that assumption known very publicly that you won't take on a client. It's so you you making assumptions about age. Yeah, and stereotyping you into all over 50s. Yes. And and not thinking actually there's you know we're not all the same. Yeah. Exactly. I have this thing about now that I'm over 40, I guess about dressing appropriately for age and we say that you know again is this appropriate for age so just to tell our listeners I uh I have been given some clothes and I asked Sandy I said Sandy can you can you give me your honest truth I don't want to look like mutton dressed as lamb and that's (laughs) that's an Australian saying that we say so mutton older dressed as lamb too young so Sandy was my filter so again is this too old for me should I be wearing this what should a an over four year and over fifty year old woman be wearing. And you know? now I realize that I am probably mutton dressed like lamb. <laughs> no, I think it's not about that. I think it's about body shape and tight fit. Like if it looks good, wear it. Yes, exactly. You know? But what you know, just because you're over fifty doesn't mean you need to start wearing sweatshirts that have windmills <laughs> yeah. and puppies on them, you know. Anyway. We okay. digress. Yes. So, yes, you were having another story that you were going Okay, to so a couple of stories uh, that I had to work through. So neither one of my children chose to go to university mm-hmm. after high school. And in the area that I was raising my children in, that was really against the, the rules. You know, it was you finished high school, you went to university, and maybe you took a gap year, maybe you took a year out. But even that was a little bit frowned upon. The ideal was you finished high school and you went to university or college. And so my kids both are very outside the box in their thinking and did not like school and did not like the the um, indoctrination they felt came in the educational system and neither one of them went. And so there have been a lot of assumptions that they've had to deal with and that I've had to deal with some, some criticisms. I wasn't a good mother, Mm. you know, that my kids didn't go on in school, that they're going to be failures in their life because they don't have an education. So there are stereotypes huge ones around education Mm. that I've had to really, like you talked about being a trailblazer. I actually had to do some reading and look at how many really successful entrepreneurial thinkers did not have university degrees Mm -hmm. and how in fact it can work against you. How did you work through that? Did you feel you had to defend them? If did would people sometimes I felt like I had to defend them. You know, that there were some people were very out and out critical of it. And um, 
And then other people seemed to get it. Mm. Like they knew my kids, they knew the kind of people they were. And my husband was really good for me in that because he was, he's like, so they can go to school anytime. You don't have to go to university when you're 20. You can go to university when you're 50. Another big one, and I don't know if any of our listeners might identify with this, but I know you have a story like this, is my daughter married an older man. So she was uh, 20 when she started dating him, and he was 19 years older than her. And that was something I had to really reframe because that is a societal norm. And it is unusual, but... There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, in other times in history, that would have been quite common. Yes. But in our culture, it's unusual because we tend to segregate people more by age than in other times in history. So, yeah, I find it, you know, we're talking about this societal assumptions idea and we have them all around us. I mean, as women, we had... You know, there's assumptions for how we behave and how we look and how we speak and where we live. That's another big one, right? So, where have you encountered that? So, uh, in Calgary, I lived in the northeast, and uh, when I first moved there, we we had a nice uh, old. It was a hundred year old home uh, just north of the city. So you, you'd kind of call it inner city, I guess. Uh, but it was in North East, it had NE. So we were two blocks from the Centre Street, which was the divider of uh, East and West. So if we were North West, we would have been okay. But we were North East. <laughs> so, but people would so go as far as, oh, where do you live? And so I'd play tricks on them. So where do you live in the North East? Oh, oh, okay. Whereabouts in the northeast, they'd say. And so I'd say Crescent Heights. Oh, you live in the nice area of the northeast. So, yeah, I used to um, work in the northeast too. And I, and some people who are, lived in Calgary for all their lives and lived in the south and would say, oh, do you feel safe going there? And I say, yeah, sure. So I got that a yeah. lot moving to Hamilton. So we lived in Burlington for 20 years, which was like very kind of waspy. <laughs> you know, kind of upper middle class sort of environment. And then we moved to Hamilton, which is, you know, the saying, she said, let's get dirty. So we went to Hamilton. (laughs) That's where we moved. Yeah. Run into a lot of those assumptions where people say, oh, you live in Hamilton? Like, you're in hard times, you know? Except with certain people. So... It's changing a little bit. I was in a, a shop in Toronto and with a couple of friends from Burlington, and the woman there asked where we were, fr- where we were from, where we lived, and uh, my two friends said Burlington, and she was like, "Oh," and then I said Hamilton. She's like, "Oh, we want to move to Hamilton." Like she was really excited. I was like, "Oh, yay!" Yes, that's, <laughs> you know, it is funny because when I first moved here. So I live in Cambridge. So we have the Tri-Cities, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. And I know a lot of our listeners are, are out there. And uh, a bit Cambridge gets a bit of a, a raw deal, you know, some negativity on the uh, assumptions side. And, and we live in this beautiful area of Cambridge. So I started saying to people, oh, we live in Galt. And I'm like, oh, come on, get off your high horse. You know, like, right. you live yeah. in Cambridge. <laughs> just be proud of that you live in Cambridge and just try and – 
um, I don't know, open people's awareness, I guess, that, that where you live shouldn't, you know, should be a, a facet of judgment of whether you're going to engage with me in dialogue or not. Exactly. So, so we have these recipient of people's assumptions and we also have assumptions about other people. We are often making, you know, judgments around things that we just see in people. And so there's a question there, you know, as reframers, how do we keep these things in check? We, we can't eliminate them. Yeah. They're there for a reason and they're a way for us to navigate our life. And we've, Sometimes they're helpful, but how do we keep them? How do you think we can like keep those things in check or reframe them? Or what do we do with those assumptions? Uh, uh, the first one is really be trying to be self-aware. And that's really hard for people to do. And that's why I love engaging with dialogue with people who will enable you to check your assumptions. I mean, we can talk about actually having a, a one-to-one dialogue about that, um, but it's kind of reflecting on, yeah, what what did I? Because because we don't even know they're happening half the time. Like with your with your daughter calling your granddaughter um, the doll, you know, some, we don't know what happens until someone kind of says, "Oh, curious as to why you said that." Yes, you know exactly. What, yeah, what, what, where's that coming from? And you just kind of have a dialogue, and it's not. It's not that anyone's offended, but it's just kind of more of a learning. So it's about really checking our own awareness uh, in the moment, which is hard to do for a lot of people as well, or taking some reflection time out and going, okay, walk down the street, I see someone, hmm, yeah, what, what am I thinking right now about that person? How could I change that story? Could, it, could, could there be a different story going on here yes so you know a friend of mine just took a course in university on gender bias and she was telling me that one of the things that their prof challenged them to do was when they looked at someone to ask themselves why do I think that person's the gender they are and how often it was because of the way they were dressed or something that was very external. So I was doing that one day when I would pass people, I would think, why do I think that's a guy? Why do I think that's a woman? And it's, it's interesting, you know, it's about being self-aware, but it is an interesting thing to think about because so much of it is how, what clothes we're wearing. Totally. How we look. Yes. Whether we have a veil or whatever on. Yes. Like, yeah. And, and of course, uh, the, the accent in which we speak, it all, it all comes through. But the other thing, Sandy, is what I loved uh, learning and it was kind of my big aha around assumptions is to have courage to speak your truth around that and be really aware. And that takes a lot of practice. It, it really takes looking at the situation and going, okay, what was, what was the truth? What was data only? And what are my interpretations of that? And what are the stories I've made based on those interpretations? And if the data is they didn't turn up and after 20 minutes you left, maybe they had it in the wrong day. Maybe they didn't, they weren't showing you up or what, which I'm sure is the case. You know, there, there was something beyond their control and they lost their phone and got thrown down the toilet. Or, you know, we can back <laughs> well, in my story, he forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he told me he was very apologetic. Yeah. I completely forgot. Can we reschedule it? Yeah, and it's not um, 
It's not that he didn't care, but you would take a bit of that influence into your next, yes, you know, exactly. setting with him. So, uh, but what I found helpful is when things start to uh, get in the way of relationships and start damaging relationships. And a lot of this I've practiced in family relationships, but we make our own stories in our heads. And uh, if someone continually doesn't meet your expectations or continually does something that you you are looking for, oh, yeah, well, they always do that or they always say that or they're always going to think that, until, until you actually speak your truth and go, okay, well, when you said this, I assumed this, I hope it's not true, but I'd really love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. And that... I've had a few of those conversations because then what you hear is the stories and assumptions they've made about you. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> right, because we all do it. You know, we've all, yeah. all got stories to, to share. So I've had a few good dialogues about that and you feel so much better because you kind of come away going, wow, there was a lot of wasted time and energy for stuff I assumed, for stuff they assumed. But it takes courage. And you can only do that if the person sitting across for you is – willing and open to have that learning dialogue as well. And this is uh, information that we got from um, Ronald Short of Learning in Relationships. We'll put a link to his website. But I found that so powerful and it takes courage. And didn't Brene write about that in Daring Greatly? Yes. Yeah. Yes, very similar. You know, it is about the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And and we need to change those stories. We need to own our own stories, but we also need to be aware that we're telling stories about people around us all the time. We're making yeah. sense of situations, and the way we do that is a lot of times by societal norms and our own assumptions. So I think there's lots of opportunities for us to be reframing, mm-hmm. and this was a, a good conversation mm-hmm. for us to have today. As women who want to live full lives and have open relationships with people it's it's important to be vulnerable and to share our assumptions and Mm. give voice to the ones that we have about other people in our relationships and and just learn and ask yeah ask what is it like and be kind you know as women we need to be kind to women as as women we need to be kind to men too and help them see our perspective and stuff as well but be kind and yeah be curious be courageous and I think uh when you do that, you get a bit of a deeper connection with people. I mean, I'm talking on the level of a, a more intimate relationship, but also out there in the universe when we're making those kind of brush-sweeping stereotypes and assumptions. Be curious. Ask questions. Exactly. Mm. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Hi, Life Reframers. Did you enjoy our podcast today? If so, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or our Facebook page. For more information, visit our website, reframeyourlife.ca and sign up for our newsletter.